0: We're in week four of getting past our past, and today we're talking about failures, epic fails. Anybody ever seen those pictures, the epic fail pictures? I love those. Love them. I want to talk about some epic fails when it comes to business ventures and marketing. How many of y'all are old enough to remember this? Anybody remember New Coke? (coughs) Epic fail. All right? Uh, I, I mean... I love Coca-Cola, okay, and there was nothing wrong with the old Coke, but of course, they came with new Coke, and it was a huge flop, so then they had to come up with Coke Classic, right? This was the thing that we actually had before we messed it up, right? And now, you would think, you know, Coke learned a lesson, and and they did, I think, but Pepsi didn't, because about this time, there was Crystal Pepsi. Uh, Anybody remember Crystal Pepsi? Now, here's the thing. We're not going to fight about this. I believe that Coke is better than Pepsi. I'm just going to say that, all right? Um, Because in the South, I grew up in the South. Everybody asks you when you go to a restaurant, what type of Coke do you want, right? And you can say Pepsi. They don't ask what type of Pepsi you want. I'm just saying. Crystal Pepsi was from Beelzebub. I'm just saying, not good, all right? That was an epic fail. But you know what? Coors. How many of y'all, you know what Coors is? Tell the truth, shame the devil. All right. So you're all like, can I say that in church that I know? Coors Light came out with Rocky Mountain Sparkling Water. Epic fail. Now, I have some good friends that say, you know, that this actually went away, but they just rebottled it. And it's actually entitled Coors Light now. It's just water. <laughs> just saying. All right. These are epic fails. Let me give you some more epic fails. All right. Um, Chevy tried to market the Chevy Nova in Mexico, not knowing that the Mexican word for no-go is Nova. <laughs> Gotta love that, right? Um, uh, not a good name for a car. Or what about a KFC when they marketed the phrase finger-licking good in China, but it translated to eat your fingers off. <laughs> That's funny, I don't care who you are, right? I'm just saying, I mean, failures like that can be funny when they're not our failures, right? When they're somebody else's failures, we can laugh and we can point our fingers and we can, you know, chuckle. But when it comes to us failing, it gets a little bit deeper and it's a, we kind of we hang on to it a little bit more. And that's what we're talking about with this whole Getting Past Your Path series. Because all of us have failed. Um, Saul Berry, uh, winner of the Nobel Peace Prize, he said it like this. He says, all of us have failed, at least the best of us are. best of us have failed. And I, I, th- I think the thing we're going to be talking about and getting through in, in, in as we look in God's Word today is that all of us fail. In fact, uh, Saul Berry, he would say this, that if you've not failed, then you've not tried something great. So all of us have failed. All of us have done some failures. And um, I think one of my favorite clips of this is from this movie right here. Y'all watch this. Hey, where you going? Nowhere. Gee, he looks blue. I would say brownish gold. No, no, no. no. I mean he's depressed. Oh. Kid, what's in you? Nothing. He's at the top of the food chain. (laughs) The food chain! (laughs) So, where you from? Who cares? I can't go back. Ah, you're an outcast. That's great. So are we. What'd you do, kid? Something terrible, but I don't want to talk about it. Good. We don't want to hear about it. Come on, Timon. Anything we can do? Not unless you can change the past. You know, kid, in times like this, my buddy Timon here says, you gotta put your behind in your past. No, no, Uh, no. Amateur, lie down before you hurt yourself. It's you gotta put your past behind you. Look, kid, bad things happen, and you can't do anything about it, right? Right. Wrong! When the world turns its back on you, you turn your back on the world. Well, that's not what I was taught. Then maybe you need a new lesson. Repeat after me Hakuna Matata. What? Hakuna Matata! Now I apologize for bringing that click because some of you throughout the entire day. What are you going to be singing? Exactly right. All right, but here's the thing The fact of the matter is we all have our behinds in our past and we all have past in our behinds, right? I mean, we all have done stuff that we wish we had not done We all have relationships that have failed We've all had, we've taken tests and we failed. We've taken classes and we failed. Some of you, you were in school, but you bounced out of school because of failure. For others of you, your biggest failure was a, a job or maybe a job that didn't end well, uh, end well. I mean, whatever it is, we all have these things that we wish we could change. And you know what, sometimes we've said things that we didn't mean to and we were angry and we said some stuff and we just, we just wish we could go back and we could just do it over. For others of us, there's sexual things in our past. And there's some things that you wish you would have done and, or you would not have done with other people. And you look back and those, those, that stuff from your past, your failures in your past sexually, is impacting your current relationships now. And there's just things that happen that we struggle with and that we feel guilt for. This is how one of the biggest failures in the Bible describes this. Listen to this. David wrote, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. You know, what we're going to be looking at today, we could have done a lot of different stories in the Bible. But we're going to be looking primarily at one guy and his name is Paul. Paul in the New Testament and we're going to see how he was able to get past his failures. Now, some of you, you've heard of Paul. If you maybe grew up in a maybe a different denomination or maybe the Catholic church, you would know him as Saint Paul. But what we're going to be looking at today is that sometimes saints always have a past. In fact, that's our big idea today. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Where we're going to be getting this, and we're going to see his entire story as we look through the Bible. But we're going to see that every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. I mean, his past was so awful and so checkered. Um, we would call Paul, earlier in his life, we would call him a terrorist. And we don't use that word lightly, especially this week, with all of the horrific things that's happened in our in our nation. With, with the Boston... Um, with the Boston bombings from the uh, Boston Marathon to letters getting sent to our president. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy time. But Paul, he was so zealous and so passionate, um, people would call him today, um, probably given that label. He had an awful past. And In fact, I want to uh, set up this clip. This is a clip from the new Bible series that just came out, but it's, it shows Paul that he had a hand in killing one of the very first christians ever killed his name was stephen and we're going to see how paul just is like persecuting and killing and arresting a lot of christians watch this can all be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins he was crucified but he rose from the dead impossible don't listen to him why do you resist jesus He is your saviour. The way to everlasting life. Jesus is dead! And you will go the same way. Because he sought to entice you away from the Lord, your God. Your hands shall be the first against him. And you shall stone him with stones until he dies. yes high priest that incident today could have started a riot he was a heretic he was trying to lead our people away from God he got what he deserved I could flush this scum out for you but I need help what do you need men money Letters of introduction from you. Let us eat. Brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke the (coughs) Welcome, friend. Please sit with us and eat. Trust me. I'm not your friend. Take them. Anybody would have had a a reason to not get past his failures, it would have been Paul. Because as many of you, if you've grown up in church or if you haven't, what's so amazing about this guy is he was on the the exact opposite side of Jesus. The exact opposite side of the church. I mean, he hated Jesus. He hated the church. And we're going to see God take all of that junk and all of that past and be able to use him once he comes to know Jesus. And that's huge because I think so many of us, we think that we're just the sum of our decisions. We're just the sum of of our failures. And because we did this and it failed, we see ourselves as a failure. And that's not the case. And I got to tell you, you know, there's, there's some things in your past, there's some things in my past that many times we just can't we have this tendency that we just don't, we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. We have a hard time getting over ourselves. And as we go through and looking at Paul's life today, we're going to be seeing three principles that all of us can be able to recognize so that we can help get past our past. The first principle is this one. Your biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. Your biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. Our greatest sins and our biggest failures are, aren't too big for god i love that um i've had a lot of different conversations with a lot of sorts of people with a lot of different religious backgrounds and something i've heard over and over and over and over again is how so many people are consumed by guilt and i'm gonna say this and some of you are like i don't know if that's true but hang out with me and and, and we'll talk about it i believe that guilt does not come from god I believe that guilt does not come from God, and it never has. Paul, who had, the, who had, I mean, his past had tons of reason for him to have guilt. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. It says this. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no, what does it say? Regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Just leave that verse up there. That is huge. Paul is saying that if I have a lingering case of regret or guilt for something that I have already been forgiven for, then that is not from God. The truth is we we have a real spiritual enemy who would love for us to tread water in an ocean of regret and guilt. Because here's the thing, guilt paralyzes us. Guilt gets us to thinking and feeling, I'm never going to get past this. I'm never going to move on. I'm never going to get over the failure. So why even try? And the more we stew in guilt and regret, the more we have a tendency to hate ourselves. You see, when I feel bad because I've done something wrong, and that, and that bad feelings leads to a good direction, that's not guilt. That's conviction. That's what that's called and the conviction we feel from god's spirit is different than guilt or regret because that conviction doesn't paralyze us it doesn't produce self-hatred it leads us in a different direction it produces life change this next verse first 1 john first 1 john 1:9 says this if we what does it say confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness best way i can explain this is by having this right here anybody know what this is that's right this is called an etch-a-sketch for us here in tennessee in arkansas this is called an ipad all right now you know how this works all right all right, You can go down, and one of the things I love making as a kid is stairs. See, I'm, I don't know if you can see that. I'm making stairs right now, but if I mess up, what do y'all have to do? By the way, I can reflect, y'all. If I mess up, what do you have to do? Right? And it's clean. That's what that verse says. If you wouldn't mind, put that verse back up there. It says that if we confess our sins, that Greek word, all that means is we are to call what we have done exactly how God calls it. It's like a referee. You know, um, we were at a soccer game yesterday uh, with our middle child. And um, there was a gentleman there who was arguing with the referee. Does that ever go well? No. And, you know, this is a bunch of eight-year-olds, right? So we got a bunch of eight-year-olds, and I got this, you know, the ref is getting ready to say, you know, if you say another word, you're gone. And I'm like, dude, you know, this is, we're just eight-year-olds, right? Let's just have fun, hold hands, and let's just sing. Can we close our eyes, right? Um, there's something, but what, what, uh, what this confess means is that whatever the ref calls it, that's what we call it you see, what does God call sin? Sin always brings death. It always brings destruction. It never brings happiness. If we confess our sins, He, not, not us, we are unfaithful. We are unjust. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful. And He is just. And He will what? To forgive us all of our sins and purify us from some unrighteousness. Is that what it says? No. I mean, when we confess our sins... He shakes it up and we have a new, a, a, a new lease on life. What failures do you feel like are still on your Etch-A-Sketch? What failures in your past do you feel like that's just still burned in there? God promises that if we confess our sins to him, he will shake it up and erase our guilt. He will forgive all of it. I mean, people who feel like they've done something too serious or too big to be wiped away. They say stuff like this, you have no idea what I've done. You don't have any idea the pain that I cause. But God promises that anything we bring to him for forgiveness, he will cleanse it. Not because we are faithful and we are just, because of what Jesus has done. And it's not just small or medium-sized sins. I mean, he cleanses it all. No failure is too big for God's grace. No failure. Is too big for God's grace. Now, that leads us to our second reality is this one. Our second reality is this. You are not what you have done. You are who God says you are. You are not what you have done. You are not what you have done. In fact, the, we are not called human doings. We are called human what? Beings for a reason. Because we're more than just what we do. I love that because we are not defined by what we do. We are called human beings because we are defined by being and becoming. And who are we to be and to become more like? Jesus Christ. There are two ways that we can fall into this trap, in this doings trap. First is we can let our success define us. We can let our success define us. How many of you, you're a guy in here. Let me see your hands. All right, we are the worst at this. Some of you guys didn't raise your hands. I I mean, you look like a guy. I'm just, all right. I mean, we let our success define us. We, we whether or not we have a high steam or not is really dependent on the rank on our chest, how much money we make, whether or not we get to raise, whether or not we drive that car. I mean, we let success define us. Let me tell you, a guy by the name of Francis Chan, he once said this. At a conference I went to, he says this, If you let success define you, then you will also allow your failures to define you. The only person who can define you is God. That's huge. Paul starts describing why he could have had confidence in his successes. This is in Philippians chapter 3. Great, great chapter, all right? Let's look at it. I mean, he's, he's got a lot of reason to brag. I could have what? confidence in my own effort if anyone could he's saying if anybody can puff out his checks and go and puff out his chest and go that was me how could have been paul indeed if others had reason for confidence in their own efforts i have even more wow paul's saying he could define himself by his successes and for a long time in paul's life that's exactly what he did that same dude we just saw in the video I mean, he let his actions define who he was. And again, guys were the worst at this. And we're the worst at this. Paul continues to write about his successes in verse 5. I was circumcised on, when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strict obedience to the Jewish law. Now, why would you be proud of all of that? Well, again, he's saying, even before I could make a choice, even when I was eight days old, I was following the law. My parents made me follow the law, and I observed everything to the strictest. Have you ever been around somebody that was just like a goody two-shoes who never did anything wrong? Some of you, you had a brother or sister like that, right? And you set them up so that they could do wrong, right? I'm just saying. I can say that because I'm a brother. There you go. So, I mean, if anybody had reason to brag about his successes, it was Paul. He was in the religious in crowd. He had the power. He had all of that. He was a Pharisee. I mean, he he was very observant and very obedient to the laws. He was also very passionate about his beliefs. Look at what it says in verse 6. I was so, what's that next word? zealous. That's passionate. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I mean, he lived what he believed. He obeyed the law. He was passionate, but his passion led him to do some really awful things. And he thought he was doing good, but he thought he was serving God by trying to wipe out this, what they thought at the time was this cult of Jesus, the way. It says this in verse 7, I once thought these things were valuable. But look at this. But I consider them now worthless. Why? Because of what Christ has done. Once Paul met Jesus, his life changed. His, his goals changed. His, uh, his priorities changed. He no longer defined himself by his successes. Now look at this. This is verse 8. This verse could get me into trouble. All right, so hang on with me for a sec. Yes, everything else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as, what is that next word? Garbage. So that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Leave that up. That word for garbage. How many of y'all want to learn a Greek word today? It'll be it'll be fun, I promise you. That word for garbage is scuba. Y'all say that out loud. Scuba. One more time. Scuba. Y'all are not. Some of y'all Scooby Dooby Do. What? Scubala. Now, what I just taught you is a unique word, because that word scuba that's translated garbage in this. This is a mistranslation. In fact, the right definition for this word, if you look in any Bible, they're not going to translate this correctly, because this is what it means, but it's even harsher than these. It means feces, dung, crap, but it's even stronger than that. I know. Hang out for a sec. It, he uses a very vulgar word that, that can only be translated as, and some of y'all, you're thinking, what? Crap happens, right? But you insert the other word in there. I'll, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I was in seminary at the time, and I had this friend who was, we would translate the Bible all together, and we would go desk to desk, and they got to this, and he he said the word scuba. and this one dude, you know, said it was excrement, and a friend next to me, he, he stands up and he, he says, Professor, he mistranslated that. That means... And all of these seminary... Everybody went, right? And there's like, oh my, and like all the the wind sucked in from the room, right? And the professor, he was just calm and collected. He says, well, he says, you're exactly right. It does mean, he says, but I don't know if I'd ever say that from the pulpit or from stage. So anyway, so my point in all of this, Paul counts it all as scuba. All of his, all of his successes, He counts it all as worthless, as excrement. Why? Compared to gain Christ and to become one with him. He counts all of his success as as dog mess. So that he would would rather have all of that stuff go away, all of his successes, in order for him to know Jesus. I love that. But look at the next one. He says this, that Paul... Paul, he also, we have this tendency to, we, we, we get our self-worth by our successes, but we also, we can't let our failures define us either. I mean, again, I think Francis Chan is exactly right. If you let your successes define you, then when things start going bad, you will let your failures define you. Listen to how Paul describes his failures. In another letter, he says this, For I am the least of all of the apostles. The apostles were the disciples, the follower of Christ. Uh, in fact, I am not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the, what? Worst of them all. I mean, Paul is like, dude, I have some huge failures in my past. By the way, just to let you know, of the 27 um, uh, books in the New Testament, if, I, if I'm if i I'm counting this right, he he wrote about 17 of them. I mean, he wrote the majority of our New Testament. This guy who has all of this junk and all of this past in his past. Paul never forgot his killing of all of those Christians, but he didn't let that failure define him. Listen to the next verse. This is what it says. But, I love that word. All right? Some of you, I mean, you got all of this junk in your past, and you're just like, I am done. That's what you seem to understand, that there can be a but in your life. That God can put something and say, your failures don't have to define you. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me. That word there literally means grace. It's undeserved favor. God totally accepts us, not based on what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And look at this, and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. He's saying, I was working hard, but can he take credit for the work? He's saying, no, it was God working through me. I love that. Uh, In the beginning, that that but. There's another, another verse that has that but there. But God. Everybody say that. But God. Let me tell you, I don't know what you've done when you came in here, but you need to know, but God. God can do something in your life and change your life. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience. You see, some of you, and me in particular, God uses us as a prime example that God is patient. Right? Totally. But God, in his patience, with even the worst of sinners, then others will realize that they too can believe him and receive eternal life. Paul said through this, through this verse, he says, you know what? I'm so glad God saved me because if he could save me, he can save anybody. And you need to hear that. That you know what? I, I don't know what you've done today. I don't know. You may have killed someone in combat. You may have maybe wrongfully killed someone in combat. You, and, you, and that's just gnawing away at your soul. It's chipping away. you may were, You may have treated someone harshly. Um, and, and it's just it's just eating away like a cancer to your bones. But you need to hear me that God can allow it can be a but God moment today. But you got to realize that God's grace is bigger than all of our junk, and that you are more than just what you do. That's huge. You know that big idea. You wouldn't mind putting that up again. Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. I like that, but it's kind of wrong. And let me explain the reason why. Because the second part doesn't hold water. Did you know that those who are Christ followers are never called sinners in the Bible? That's amazing. You see, Christ followers, people who have a relationship with God, are are called saints. Now, some of you, you may have grown up in a denomination, a saint was somebody who like did three miracles and then they had to pray them in and then they were a saint and you prayed to a saint. What the Bible teaches is that if you have a relationship with Jesus, we are all saints. In fact, the word saints, the Greek word is hagios and it literally means holy ones. That that's how God sees you and sees me. I love that. Our identity is never in our sin. You hear that? In fact, I grew up in a traditional church and we would sing all these hymns. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That is the worst song ever. Because biblically, it's not right. We're not just sinners. No, Jesus died on the cross so that he could change our identity. And when Paul met Jesus, that is exactly what happened. Look at this clip. I don't know why they run from me. They should be grateful in saving them from God's judgment. Do they even care about God? No. They abandoned God to follow this dirty, uneducated scum. God, I- ananias go to the street called straight ask for a man they call paul of tarsus paul but he beats us he arrests your followers everywhere I have chosen him to proclaim my name to the world, to the Gentiles, their kings, and the sons of Israel. Who are you? Speak. I am one of those you want to destroy forgive me I've wronged you I've wronged God help me I have chosen him to proclaim my name to the world I am sent by God for you my house (laughs) I Ananias baptize you Paul in the name of Jesus Christ for he has chosen you to change the world in his name Paul, once he met Jesus Christ, he changed. He changed. And you can change as well. You know, the thing I think we have to realize is that sin is an event. It is a time when whatever happened, whatever you did, whatever your greatest failures are, whatever it is, sin is never, if you're in Jesus Christ, a person. So that leads me to this question Have you met Jesus? Do do you belong to Jesus Christ? Do you have a relationship with him? And if you don't, I am so glad you're here. You know, one of the things at onechurch.tv, we love it when spiritually seeking people show up. And like, just kind of try out God. In fact, that's even what God says. He says, just taste and see. Just try. Try God out. That's the kind of church that we want to be. We want to be a church that anybody and everybody, no matter what their past, no matter what their biggest failures are, that anyone can show up and they can begin that relationship with Jesus Christ. But I got to ask the question, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And hear me, I'm not asking, are you a member of a church? I'm not asking, have you been baptized when you were a child? Have you went through confirmation? I am asking, do you have a day-by-day relationship with Jesus? You don't. Then before today is over, we're going to invite you. Because the way to get past your past is for you to meet Jesus. That's exactly what Paul did. He met Jesus and the past, his failures, were able to be behind him. When I am most connected to the one who gives me life, the one who loves me as I am and not as I should be, that's when my failures fail to define me. And I can really remember who I am. You know that big idea? Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. It would more accurately be read this. Every saint has a past and everyone who has sinned can have a future. You are not what you have done. It does not define you. Our third and last principle is you can't change your past, but you can change your future. You can't change your past, but Christ can change your your future. What a fantastic truth. I mean, some of us, we know that, I mean, your biggest failure, your marriage i mean your dream was to only get married and stay married and to not get divorced because your relationship with your parents it ended in a divorce and you said you would never be like that but you have repeated mistakes of your parents and you, and that just aches within you and you can't change that you said something you shouldn't have said and you sh- or you've done something you didn't you shouldn't have done you looked at something you shouldn't have looked at And you can't change it. But I can tell you, with the power of God in Christ, you can move forward with that. Maybe somebody took advantage of you. And you had no dealings in that. I mean, they were stronger than you. You were young. And you think, that's all I'm going to be. But with God's power and his help, you can be more. Every saint has a past, and everyone who sins or fails has a future. Listen to how Paul said this in Philippians. Again, this is in Philippians 3. We were just there. It says this. I focus on one thing. What does he focus on? His relationship with Christ. And how does he focus on his relationship with Christ? By two things. By forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on. To reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. When Paul says forget the past, the word forget, here's what that means. Because unless you have like a a, a brain trauma or really bad, you know, uh, whatever, you cannot forget the past. Here's what the word forget though means in the original language. To treat with thoughtless inattention. To treat with thoughtless inattention. It, it doesn't mean you, ha- you have your memory erased like a file. Like a file that got deleted from your computer. It means you stop opening the file. Yes, it's still there, but you stop opening it. You give it no attention. And what failure from your past do you need to give thoughtless inattention to? Because you are not who others say you are. You are not who you even feel you are. No sin you've ever committed is too big or too small for God's grace. None of them. Man, none of that. God is calling you to be more. You know, again, I don't know what your greatest failure is. One of the things that that I struggle with so many times is, you know, you know if I look back over my past and I think, you know, what if this would have happened differently, or if this would have changed here, then I would have, and then you just fill in the blank. And I struggle with that, and I have to remind myself that the past stays in the past. That forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on. That word, press on, persevere. Some of you, you persevere. You move forward. Next weekend, my wife is running a half marathon. I am not. All right. But as she is running through this, when she gets, and by the way, she, she ran 10 miles yesterday. Dear Jesus right um I when you get to you know mile eight mile nine mile ten you you, you sometimes you know you, you start getting that slump and hopefully you get that second win the the key is you press on so here's what I'm going to ask is i'm going to pray and I'm going to ask um Levi to come out to lead us and as he starts playing I'm going to start praying and here's what I want to give you an opportunity to do I don't want anybody looking around. You don't even have to sing, all right? Um, I want you to think about your biggest failure, the biggest thing that, that's happened in your life that you wish you could get over. And I'm just going to give you just some time as Levi sings for you to dwell on that biggest failure, whatever that is, and for you to just go to God and pray. Pray. And say, God, I'm asking you to not let this event define me. I'm also going to say this, as Levi is playing. Some of you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today, you need to begin one. Because the only way to get all that junk in your past is for you to come to know Jesus. So I'm going to pray And here's what you need to do. You don't need to pray a prayer after me. There's nothing magical about the words I say. But what you need to do, however you do that, silently, with me, whatever. But you need to tell God who you are. That you are, right now, you are a sinner. Because since God is not in your life, you are defined by your actions. But you can ask Jesus to forgive you of all of that. And you will no longer be defined by any of that anymore. You will be defined by whose you are, a child of God. So you ask Jesus, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, all of my stuff. Maybe you name a bunch of them. And then you say, God, I ask you to come into my heart, my life. I put my faith and trust in you. I believe in you. And you begin that relationship today. I believe I praise and You're God. Lord, right now, Lord, I know that we have men and women in here, many of them who just are struggling with so much pain. So many failures. Financial mistakes. Relational mistakes. Lord, I pray that today, that you would allow us to get past all of that junk that you would allow us to see ourselves as you see us. We're given children of God, not because of anything that we've done, but because of a grace that is so amazing.